uh, began last week. We took some time to look at uh, the importance of the local church and making sure that we are uh, committed uh, as a, as a uh, Christian to the local work uh, of the gospel in a local uh, place. And we believe that part of our missions program is to be planting and establishing local churches all over the world, not just here in the United States, but all over uh, God's creation. And so that is one of the many reasons that we, that we support foreign missionaries. In fact, I just got a text that Mr. Lankford is here with us, uh, our missionary from Brazil, right here in front of me. Uh, thank you for being with us this morning. And I did not know he was going to be here until a few moments ago. So welcome. Thank you for, for being with us this morning. Uh, our missionary speaker is a, a friend of many of you. Um, I guess he's a friend of mine. I guess I'll call him that. Um, so it's interesting how your lives are intertwined throughout ministry with particular people. Um, I met Brad Young for the very first time at a Sonny's restaurant in Claremont, Florida. Do you remember that? And Brad would not buy lunch, so I'm still a little irritated. I think we bought you lunch probably. We were interviewing him to come on our staff at our church in Orlando, Florida, and uh, we served together there in Orlando um, for a period of time. And then the Lord took me back to uh, Williston, Vermont, to become a senior pastor back in Vermont, where we had, my wife and I had lived before. And God sovereignly brought Brad and Chris Young and his family to Grace Baptist Church. And so they were here for a period of time, so he's not new to uh, many of you. And through the years, Brad and I have maintained uh, close contact. He's one of the uh, several missionaries that call on a regular basis, and we speak together um, on a regular basis. His wife, Chris, is with us. Their son, Andrew, is with us. And what is hard to believe is their two older children, one is married and one is already out on her own. So that's a little bit uh, shocking. Uh, we've known them since they were little kids. And so it is, it is an honor to have the Youngs with us. I do want to say one more thing about this, however. Brad's in a little bit of hot water and I warned him about this. I already told him I was going to say this. So what I'm saying is no surprise to him. I've been building him up for a couple of weeks that he was this wonderful missionary and you can't wait to meet him if you've never met him before. So I told him if he whiffs this morning, it's going to not go well for him. Um, probably won't feed him this afternoon. So it's kind of on the line, Brad. We hope you do well. Hope you do a good job. Uh, in all sincerity, I love this brother, and he is a good friend and a wonderful uh, missionary doing a great job. He was a wonderful financial administrator for our church, but he is just doing a phenomenal job in the mission field. So, brother, you come share with us this morning. Is that a little bit that whoa bad? And just so, so those of you that do know me, and you know the the amount of time and energy that I poured into the music ministry here at Grace, um, I actually lead music at our church in Canada. So that'll wow, that'll tell you a little something about the people in Canada as far as their music ability. 
Um, but uh, no, I was telling Pastor Jay, our service uh, starts at 11 o'clock. And on a normal basis, fairly, well, I shouldn't say normal. If it's a good Sunday for the people, uh, I'm closing in prayer by like quarter, 20 after 12. Um, and it's not that weird to have me actually closing prayer at 1230, 25 till 1. Um, and I still have guys that look at me and say, Pastor, I thought you were just getting warmed up and then you were closing in prayer. What, what's the deal? Why did you quit so soon? So, but I, I promise I will get you out of here by noon. I will not go past noon. And so it'll all be good. All right. Um, well, let's start with the, uh, you have uh, pictures there on the screen. And, but in all seriousness, what time do I need to be done? Seriously, you're going to get me in trouble. You want me to fail. 11 what? 11.30? 11.30, oh. Piece of cake, yeah. That's right, I can abbreviate. All right, so if we have pictures, I'll just quick run through pictures. Um, I'm not going to give a huge update this morning. Um, tonight, uh, did you tell them what we're doing tonight? I didn't want to burst your bubble or your surprise. Um, we're going to do a Q&A tonight in the evening service, um, so you'll get to hear a lot about our ministry as, as Pastor Jay, I'm sure, is going to come up with some great questions for us, um, so you'll get to hear a lot more details about what we're doing, um, and they can't get the pictures up, so I'm just, or they, oh, they're behind me, I was like, I'm looking up there, and there's no picture, it's a black screen. Okay, so uh, we're the Youngs, for those of you who don't know. Uh, we served here on staff, uh, I believe we came in 2006, and we left for the field in April of 2015, so we're here about nine years, um, and it is hard to believe we have been in Canada now for six years, okay? Six years, which is hard uh, for me to actually comprehend and believe, um, but th this is the whole family. We have uh, Austin as our oldest. Uh, he would have been 18 when we went to the field. He's now married, and I have a wonderful two-year-old grandson who thinks I am the world, and the world revolves around me, so life is wonderful. Um, and they are expecting another child February 8th, so my wife will get a grandchild this time, and she'll have a grandchild that she can enjoy. Uh, and then we have Abigail's our middle. She's now 21. Um, she has fallen in love with Western Canada. Um, she just finished um, two years working on a dairy farm um, and absolutely loving it. Runs, runs all sorts of machinery. Um, she's in charge of the calf barn, and she just has absolutely fallen in love with that. Um, but she right now has decided um, she's going to try something else. So be praying for Abigail as she decides where she heads next. She's thinking of becoming a, a farrier. Uh, trimming horses hooves or she wants to become a sheep shearer so um, that's where she's headed and she's fallen in love with western canada um, and uh, helps out there in the church and then we have andrew who will be 18 in january and this is his senior year and he's here uh, with us um, so you can get to talk with him and see him and uh, he's like most high school seniors nowadays he has absolutely no idea what he wants to do um, so We'll figure that out as we go. All right, and I don't know where I'm supposed to be pointing this thing, but it's not advancing. Oh, look at that. It's Grace Baptist Church. Did I do something wrong? Is it? 
There we go. All right. Well, we're in Canada. For those of you, there's supposed to be music to this, but we are not techie. If there's somebody in church that is called to the mission field that knows technology, we could use you in Canada. Okay. Um, we're in Saskatchewan. We're about four hours north of the U.S. border. Um, we started. All right, this is for. Anyway, there we go. We started ministry in Saskatoon, which is that red dot right below Saskatchewan, city of 300,000 people. We went to partner with um, Chris and Glenda Hammond, who Grace Baptist used to support. And uh, we went with them um, to help them to grow that church. When we went, the church was probably about 15 or 20 people. Um, over the course of a couple years, that grew to about 60 or 70 people, and um, they were becoming self-sufficient, and so we knew that the Lord was moving us on, and, and our goal and our desire and our philosophy of ministry when we went to Canada uh, was that we, we wanted to create a church planning hub in Western Canada, and, and so we were trying to decide where the Lord wanted us to go next, and um, we ended up in... The town of Hanley. Now, this is a booming metropolis. It is a town of 500 people. Okay, we have a town of 500 people uh, in Hanley, and now it's moving by itself. So, I'm just going to let that flip through. This is our yeah. I'm just going to let it flip. You enjoy those pictures while I talk. You did this to me on purpose. All right, there you go. All right. We ended up in the town of Hanley um, with 500 people. Uh, it's situated on a four-lane highway, so it's easily accessible from every direction. Um, and this town is surrounded by other small towns, uh, as well as the prairie, where there are cattle ranchers, grain farmers, all of that. Um, we started, you'll see there, we meet in the community center. And if you notice in that second picture, uh, the picture to the right, on the front of the town hall, you'll see at the very bottom it says Community Baptist. We got our church name on town hall because we rent. So we rent there a couple times a week with our Bible studies and stuff like that. I get a call from the town administrator and she says, when you get a chance, stop by town hall. I, go, I want to talk to you. So I went in, I talked with her, and she said, we're redoing the front of town hall. We want to know if you want your name on the front of the building. And I said, are you allowed to put my church name on the front of your building? And she said, yeah, town council, they're all for it. They asked me to contact you to see if you were interested. So for $48, it cost us for the lettering, for $48, we got our name on the front of town hall. So everybody in town knows there's a church that's meeting in, in the community center. Um, and, and then we have a, a church sign out on the main highway so people know that we're there in town. Um, but the church led us to, to Hanley. We didn't know from day one, that very first service when we started, um, we didn't know how many people were going to show up for church. We put a little ad, there, there's a little town newspaper that goes out every other month. We put a little ad in there that the church was starting, had no clue who would show up, if anybody would show up. Well, about 30 people showed up our first Sunday. And, uh, and so we've just been tooling along ever since that very first. That's the original group there that you saw. That, um, and those are our charter members. And you'll see there, there, there's kids 
uh, a ton of kids there. And even now, as our church has grown, we have kids everywhere. That's how we grow our church in Canada. Um, in the last three months, um, this will be our last month, we've had five babies born in our church. Um, and then we have a couple, one coming again, another one coming in November. Our, our grandson will be coming in February. So we just grow our church by having babies. Um, and it was, it was the third week my wife started junior church because there were just kids everywhere. And we had to do something with the kids. So Chris started a junior church about our third week into this new church plant. And so we're just tooling along and then uh, COVID hit. When COVID hit, we were about 60 to 70 people on a Sunday morning. Um, COVID hit, we did three months of online Zoom services, and then things slowly started to open back up. Uh, we had an unsafe family that joined us on Zoom and then started coming in person. They're still with us. Mom is now saved. Dad is putting the pieces together, and he's getting closer uh, to becoming a believer. Um, but we've, we've seen people saved there uh, as we've ministered in Hanley. Uh, and starting about in February, we started to see church growth in the middle of COVID because we were one of the few churches that still had their doors open. Most churches had closed their doors. Even today, um, there are, are some churches that are just now going back to services after a year and a half. And, and, and except for those first three months, we kept our doors open the entire time and had services. And so we are now running, at our height, we are running about 130 people. Uh, now we've settled back down. Some people have figured out we're not who they are. They don't agree with us theologically, whatever it might be. Um, and we have settled at, we, we're averaging about 110 people every Sunday morning in the town hall at Community Baptist Church. Um, and, and one of the incredible things about that is during COVID, <clears throat> excuse me, we now have four families that are driving an hour and 45 minutes to come to our church because they have no good church in their area. So they're coming an hour and 45 minutes. So when we get back, um, we're going to be starting a Bible study in their community. We'll be going out once a week, one in the evening a week, uh, and doing a Bible study for them there in that community. And so our hope and prayer is we've been now on the field for six years. Um, we, we helped Open Door Baptist Church become well-established. Uh, we're now in our third year at our church plant at Community Baptist Church, and our hope is that this new Bible study an hour and 45 minutes away, that that's going to, hopefully that'll turn into our next church plant. Um, and so uh, that's where we're headed, and that's what we're doing. Um, as far as that goes, I have um, four out of these 110 people, I have four families that came to me before we left on this trip and said, Pastor, uh, when you get back, we want to talk to you about church membership. Um, so we have four, four families, so we'll be getting ready. We'll be doing another um, baptism service as some of those um, need to be baptized before they become members. Um, so we're just, we're clipping along in ministry and the Lord is blessing. Um, and I don't know, I don't do anything special. I'm, you know, he said, oh, you're this missionary. I still sometimes, I forget that I'm a missionary. Um, people ask me in town, I'll be at the post office, I'll be at the hardware store, you know, everybody knows everybody in town. And so they're like, you know, we have a United Church of Canada in our town, which has about 10 people coming to it. 
And we have a Lutheran church in our town, which has probably about 30 people coming to it. And then there's us in Community Hall, and we, we're, we're averaging 110. So, so people ask me all the time, what do you do? Do you have a rock band down there, smoke machine? I mean, what are you doing down at Town Hall to attract all these people? And, and I'll just be honest with you. If you came to our church, you would think our church is probably pretty boring. I just get up and I preach God's word. That's what I do. I faithfully proclaim the truths of Scripture. That's what I do. And so the Lord is blessing, uh, blessing that, and ministry is going well. Pray for us as we go back, uh, that we won't have any issues getting back into Canada when we go. Um, be praying for us as we start this new Bible study, um, that the, the Lord would bless that, and that has the potential to become another church plant. Uh, I meet tomorrow with Pastor Jay, uh, and we're, we're going to start talking about um, uh, ways that we can figure out how to get training to these men. I have five men in church that have come to me and said, Pastor, can we do some theological training? Can we do some Bible training so that we can, we can start to teach a Bible study, so we can teach adult Sunday school, so we can hopefully fill a pulpit? Because when we planted Community Baptist Church, we took that philosophy and that vision of becoming a church planning hub in Western Canada, and that's what we communicated to our people from day one. That's what we communicated to them. And they have, have just jumped on board. They have, have, um, have bought completely in on this philosophy of reproducing ourselves all across Western Canada. So, so I, have, I have men that are wanting training. Um, so Pastor Jay have been talking, and we're going to try and figure out a way to, to facilitate some training for them. Um, if that doesn't happen, um, and you, you want to move to rural Saskatchewan and enjoy the country life, you come see me because I have a spot. I have a spot for you. Especially if you can lead music. The people would love you if you could lead music. Um, and so we, we have spots up there if anybody is interested in coming to the mission field in Canada. Um, so that's where we're at. That's where we're headed. That's what we're doing. And we'll have a lot more to say tonight during the Q&A. Um, so let me just preach. Um, and and it, first, when I first came on the trip, I was like, seriously, these, these churches are going to make me preach. Because in three years since I started the church three years ago, I've only been out of the pulpit three Sundays. That's it, in three years. Um, so we were really looking forward to this trip. And now he puts me in the pulpit and makes me preach. But, but that's okay. I pulled one out of my file, okay? I didn't spend, a, 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 you know, 30 hours studying for this one, okay? I did originally, but not, not this week, okay? Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And this really does go along with the philosophy of ministry uh, that, that we seek to carry out in, in Saskatchewan. Um, I was in, um, is it Berea or Berean Sunday school class this morning um, and got to share with them a little bit about the ministry. Um, and, and one of the things that I told them was that they had asked me a, a cultural question and that sort of stuff. Um, the way we do ministry in Western Canada is... We are a people-focused ministry as opposed to a program-focused ministry. Um, and that's simply because um, programs uh, don't function in Western Canada like they do in the United States. 
Um, for instance, we don't, um, we don't have vacation Bible school at our church in Hanley. We don't have vacation Bible school. We, in the city, we would, run a, um, we would run a fun fair in the park once a year to reach out to the community. We don't do that in Hanley, out in the rural area where we are. Um, we do ministry via people. And so uh, we spend a lot of time in people's homes. Um, we don't have a Sunday night church service. One of the reasons is my people came to me. We talked about starting a Sunday. I don't know. We had maybe been going for, I don't know how long we had been going, maybe for a year. And we talked about maybe starting a Sunday night church service. And my people came to me and went, Pastor, I don't know if we can handle a Sunday night church service. You hit us in Sunday, adult Sunday school, and then it's like a fire hose of information in Sunday school, and then your morning service, we get a, in your preaching, we get a, I don't think we could handle any more information all in one day. So instead of a Sunday night church service, we do, we do a Tuesday night, we off and on, we do a ladies' Bible study and a men's Bible study, and we, we rotate back and forth on one week, off one week. And then on Thursday nights, we do, we do what we call our Foundations Bible Study, which is our discipleship program where we pair up in groups of one-on-one. And we work through a 13-week um, Foundations for New Believers discipleship book. Um, and so, so that's our program, if you will. The rest of the time, it is life on life. I'm out, I'm out in the prairie. Uh, I'm working with cattle ranchers. I'm working with farmers. I have three families in our church. I cut their firewood for them for the winter. Uh, and, and as I rub shoulders with them and I'm, I'm involved in their lives, discipleship is happening. I, I was telling the Sunday school class this morning, I'm, I'm, riding, I'm driving a silage truck and I've got a, a guy sitting next to me and he says to me, Pastor, I get mad at my wife. What do you do when you get mad at your wife, pastor? I said, well, one, I don't get mad at my wife. No, I didn't say that. And don't talk to my wife after service. (laughs) But as I'm working shoulder to shoulder with these guys, those are the questions that they're hitting me with. How do I deal with my wife when I get upset with her? What's the right way to deal with my wife when I get upset with her? And, and so that's how ministry happens in Western Canada. It's life on life. So we spend a lot of time with our people doing a lot of things that I never dreamed I would ever do as a missionary, right? And it's interesting how God prepares us. Um, you know, I, I was financial administrator here in Wilmington, and it was, those days are gone. It was tie every day, and Right? But I grew up in a town, I grew up in a country town of a thousand people when I grew up. I started working on a dairy farm when I was 12 years old. God completely prepared me for ministry in rural Saskatchewan. It was funny, my, my father-in-law is a big reader, and uh, when we were getting ready to start the church out in Hanley, he says, oh, I got a great book for you to read. And it was a book on how to relate to go from city ministry to a rural ministry, how to relate with country people. I said, Dad, I don't need that book. I'm good. You should have found the book that taught me how to deal with the city people, right? Uh, I understand how to deal with, with country people. And so 
we're in our element. We absolutely, we just absolutely love it. There was in that, in that slideshow, there was actually a picture of my wife at a cattle branding, holding the calf so they could brand the cattle, the, the calf. And so we just, we jumped in with both feet and we absolutely love rural life in Saskatchewan. Philippians chapter two. Here's what Philippians chapter two, I'll just give you the punchline before we even get into it. Philippians chapter two, here's what it's going to be about the passage that we're in. We're going to be in verses 15 and 16 in Philippians chapter two. And here's what it tells us. Wherever God has provided, wherever God has has gifted you and, and matured you and shaped you and molded you as a person, wherever he's planted you, that's where you do ministry. We're going to see this morning in this passage, and, and I'm not an outliner, so it's not going to be three nice little alliterated points. The first point we're going to see in verse 15 is this. Our sanctification is directly connected to us being light. Do you realize that? Your sanctification process, your spiritual maturity as a believer is directly connected to how well you shine as a light in a twisted and crooked world. That's what Paul's going to tell us in this passage. The next thing we're going to see in this passage is Paul describes for us in verse 15 as well what life in the world looks like versus life in God. What is life supposed to look like for us as a believer? And I'll have some things to say about ministry in Canada when we get to that point. And lastly, in verse 16, we're going to see this. Paul brings it all back to the gospel. He brings it back to the gospel. So let's start here, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among who you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Start in verse 15. How well we shine as lights. Right? As we look at this passage, we, we picked out verses 15 and 16. But, but if you look at the context of chapter 2 in the book of Philippians, the context of Philippians chapter 2 is sanctification. He starts out, Paul starts out in verses 5 through 11, gives us this incredible Christological view of, of, of Christ and his work on the cross. That is what starts our sanctification. This transaction of salvation that takes place in our life as a believer, that is what starts this transformation process for us as believers. And because of Christ's finished work on the cross, because of the humility in coming to the cross, we now are possessors of eternal life. And, and part of that eternal life is that we are being transformed on a daily basis. We as believers are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Or at least that's what ought to be happening in our lives. 
And Paul describes here what this sanctification process looks like in verse 15. He says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. He reminds us that we are now children of God. We are now part of the family of God. If you are here this morning and you're a believer, you are part of the family of God. And we know from Paul's other writings, specifically Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, we understand that because this transaction of salvation has occurred in our life, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 1, that we're to walk worthy of this calling. We're to walk worthy of our salvation. Paul uses the the Greek wording there in Ephesians 4 verse 1 is this picture of a scale of walking worthy on this side of the scale. I remember as a kid walking into the general store in that small town where I grew up and they had a scale and they had all the weights on this end and they had the holder on this end of whatever it was you were buying. And they put whatever it is that you're buying on this end and it would go whoop and then they would put so many weights until it leveled out perfectly. That is the picture that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. That our transaction of salvation is on this side of the scale. And that our daily walk, our sanctification process, our daily walk ought to level that out. Our daily walk ought to be representative of the God who saved us. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He says that our sanctification process, that we ought to be blameless and innocent. Blameless is this this idea of being without defect or blemish. The best way to describe this idea of being blameless is, is they would pottery. Right? Pottery has a, a, a... Uh, a habit of when you throw it in the kiln and sometimes it cracks. And so there in the marketplace in Paul's day, they, they they would have cracked pottery and they would take wax and they would fill that crack with wax. And then they would paint over and disguise it or, or whatever they would do to it to make it look like a really nice piece of pottery. And then you'd, you'd get it home and you'd put a hot liquid in that and it would melt the, the wax and you'd have a leaky pot, a leaky clay pot. So what they used to do in the market is they would hold those pots up to the sunlight. And because that wax is translucent, they could see if there was a crack when they held that pot up to the sunlight. Paul's telling us here, that in our sanctification process, that we ought to be blameless. We ought to be able to lift our spiritual life up to the sunlight of God's word. And does the sunlight of God's word, does that show us defects or cracks in our life? And we're going to get to that in our next point of life in the world versus life in God in verse 15. But the picture is that that we as believers, as, as we go through this transformation process, that we ought to be maturing spiritually and, and be known as, as blameless without defect 
innocent is this idea of being above reproach. Then here in verse 15, he continues on and he contrasts life in the world with life in God. And he says this. Can we all agree that the world is crooked in the sense that it has deviated from a standard? Yeah, I think we can all agree on that one. The question is, what standard has it deviated from? The standard for us as believers ought to be God's word. The character of God, who God is. Right? So, so we live in the midst of a world that is deviating from a, a, a standard of truth that God's word lays out for us. Then this other word, twisted, this is a, it's just, it's simply the active form of the word crooked. And it's this idea of carrying out the deviation. So, so the world is crooked in the sense that it deviates from the standard of God's word and then it's twisted because it actually lives out this deviation. Can we agree on that one? That the world we live in has deviated and is carrying out this deviation from God's standard? That, that's why we're doing ministry in, in a, a country of Canada where it is completely common to have women preachers. It's common to have LGBT preachers. Why? Because they've deviated from a standard and now they're living out that deviation. I have a friend, he's probably about 57, 58 years old. He called me to his house one night to sit and talk with him. He had all sorts of questions for me. I sat at his house for probably two, two or three hours. And as we sat there and we talked, I started to present the gospel to him. And I, I presented to him a very simple plan of salvation. Now, he grew up in, in the local Mennonite church that's there in our community. And uh, probably about five, six months ago or so, that church closed its doors because it had dwindled down to about seven or eight people that were attending that church every Sunday morning. And it officially closed its doors about six months ago. And that's the church he grew up in. His dad was a deacon in that Mennonite church. And as I'm sitting there in his home, sharing the gospel with him as simply as I can, 
he stops me, looks me square in the eye, and he says, Brad, I have never heard the gospel described that way. Did that Mennonite church wake up one morning and said, hey, let's get a woman pastor? Wake up the next morning and go, hey, let's get an LGBTQ pastor? No. That man's 58 years old. So that means he grew up in the mid to late 60s and into the 70s. That Mennonite church stopped preaching the gospel in the 60s. They deviated from a standard. And that's why they're twisted and crooked. That's the world we live in. But look how Paul describes our life. He describes our life as among whom you shine as lights in the world. We are called as believers throughout Scripture to shine as lights in a darkened world. We shine as lights. And this is what I tell my people. This is what makes us different. It is not the way we cut our hair. It is not the clothes we wear. It, it, it is, it is not, that is not what makes us different. If it was, we're doing it wrong. We have a group called the Hutterites in Western Canada. And all the men wear black hats, checkered shirts, and black pants. All the ladies wear plaid dresses and a head covering. When they walk into Walmart, everybody knows that they're different. But this is what ought to make us different. I tell my people all the time, what makes us different is how we respond to the circumstances of life. See, because we live in this same crooked and twisted world as everybody else. John chapter 17, high, Christ's high priestly prayer before he went to, to the cross, he prays for his disciples. And he says, he prays to his father, and he says, don't take them out of the world, leave them in the world. But, get this, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Jesus Christ prayed to his father for his disciples and by extension us. And he prayed that the father would leave us in this crooked and perverse world. So we could shine as lights. And that's how we shine as lights. We live according to a different standard. And we don't deviate from that standard. We don't deny God's word. We seek on a daily basis to learn from that word, to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's how we're different. That's how life in the world is different than life in God is we live according to a different standard or we don't deviate from that standard, as it were. And then Paul wraps it up in verse 16. How are you going to shine? How are you going to be a light? And he tells us in verse 16, he says, holding fast to the word of life 
A better translation would be here, holding forth the word of life. The the picture really here in the Greek is, is that we're offering up the gospel. Right? That's life on life. That's discipleship. That's sharing the gospel with those that God puts us into contact with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. That's how we do ministry at Community Baptist Church. I started out by by, uh, telling our people in our Sunday service, pray for so-and-so. Met them this week, had a great gospel conversation with them. And kept that in front of our people. And now we take prayer requests in our Sunday morning service. And I have hands popping up around the congregation. Pray for Cody. Cody delivers my grain. And then another gentleman, another rancher. He delivers my grain too. And the two of these guys, while they're waiting for the grain truck to unload, are having gospel conversations with Cody. I have a mechanic in my church, works on a crew of seven or eight different mechanics, and he raises his hand and says, pray for so-and-so. He's my coworker. I was able to have a great gospel conversation with him this week at work. That's how it works. I tell my people all the time, I, I, I actually point to the people who are in our church because they, they've become believers through one of our members. And I point them out and I say, you see Steve? You see Kara? That's how it's supposed to work. Believers living according to a different standard, shining as lights in a crooked and twisted world responding differently than the unsaved do to the circumstances of life. I tell my people all the time, and we've experienced as a church, we ought to act, respond differently to the cancer diagnosis. We ought to respond differently when the loved one passes away. We ought to respond differently when we lose our job or, or whatever the circumstances, fill in the blank. But we as believers ought to respond differently. And the way we respond differently is we hold forth, we share the gospel. That's what makes us lights. I was just in a missions conference this last week down in Florida at one of our supporting churches. And they had a, um, a graph there that the pastor put up of how much money over the last 15 or 20 years since they've been doing faith promise giving for missions, how much money has, has gone to missionaries. It's easy to put a check in the offering plate. It's easy to throw some money at it and say, hey, you know what? We'll send the youngs to Canada. Let them go to Canada. 
I shouldn't say this because I'm standing in the church where God called me to the mission field. And there are a number of other families since then that have been called to the mission field. But by and large, the large percentage of of the people that are here this morning are never going to be called to the mission field. It's not the way God designed it. But 100% of us that are here this morning have a mission field every day of the week where we have the opportunity to shine as lights. And the question is, how are we living in the midst of this crooked and twisted world that we live in? Are we a light to them? Or do they look at us and we're wringing our hands just as much as they're wringing their hands? I hope not. Hopefully, we have answers for them when they're wringing their hands with the circumstances of life. That we are then able to interject the gospel into the situation. That's what Paul calls us to. That's what God calls us to. As he says here, that you may be blameless and innocent without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among who you shine as lights in the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the truths of your word. Father, I I come with a simple request this morning that your spirit would do a work in us this morning because we've interacted with your word. Father, may we take the truths of your word this morning and may your spirit use them to transform us today. And we'll give you the honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, Pastor West is going to come and lead us in a song of response. Before we do that, um, as Brad was speaking, a passage of Scripture came to my mind. Actually, it came to my mind because I was thinking about a book that came out a number of years ago. I remember I was probably still in seminary when it came out. And it was called The Trellis and the Vine. And this book upset some people, and <laughs> upset not in a bad way, but just they didn't, I don't, I'm not sure they quite grasped what the premise of this book was. The book's premise was basically this, that the American church is far more interested in building a complex trellis, a complex organization, a complex program more than they are interested in being life on life. In fact, Jesus said this. This is the passage that came to my mind when Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Of course, Jesus said in verse 1 of that passage, I am the vine. In American churches, this is an observation. 
We point everything back to the trellis. That's the pastor's job. That's the organization's job. That's the program's job. That's Kids for Truth's job. That's vacation. No, it's your job. Yours and mine. But we want complexity in this program and that program. And we have ourselves dizzy from running in circles. And in the meantime, there is a neighbor in your neighborhood and mine who is lost without Christ. And we just don't bother to tell them, quite frankly, because we're exhausted. We're out of time. Now, I'm not saying organizations are bad or wrong. I'm not saying programs are bad or wrong. But what I am saying is, what bothers you more? That we only have Sunday night now once a month? Or that your neighbor is lost without the gospel? You know, I I was encouraged today. I can imagine Brad in rural upstate New York at 12 years old, milking cows. And sitting there and saying, God, you're going to use this someday on the mission field. I'm guessing that never crossed your mind. It was probably, I pray I don't freeze to death. That prayer continues. God did not make you, design you, equip you by accident. He milked cows by God's divine purpose. And he's molding you into his image so that maybe, just maybe, God might call you into the mission field. Maybe God has uniquely called you and gifted you that you would fit in with the ministry in Canada hey, you know what? I will be thrilled if the Lord calls 5, 6, 10, 20% of our ministry to the mission field. Praise the Lord. The truth is in great command today, demand today. I remember a quick story. I couldn't help but think of this too. My very first funeral that I ever did, I will never forget it. It was, I was not doing the funeral as much as I was asked by the family to speak. And it was with a lady pastor. And maybe you're visiting today and you're confused about that. Well, the scripture teaches that pastors are to be men that have been called out of the ministry. That does not devalue women in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean that women are less important than men. That's, that's not the point. But the point is that God's standard has been that men should be in the office of a pastor. And so I sat on the platform and she was standing at the pulpit and she was saying biblical words that were fluffy and confusing. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, I don't even know what to say to that. It was, we're all God's children, we're all going to heaven. God loves you. He would never send anybody to hell. Everybody is okay. And I got up. I'll give you the short version. And I preached the gospel. That the patient that I was honoring her life, right before she died, made a profession of faith. 
And I said to that congregation, she's in heaven today, not because of her good works. She's in heaven today because of her faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And she believed that. I get in the limousine taking us to the cemetery. And I sit across from this lady pastor who was probably 10 or 15 years my senior at the time. And she looked at me, she said, and I quote, I've never heard that in my life. What? Tell me that again. I honestly thought she was going to yell at me. I thought this is going to be, I can't believe you said that in my pulpit. How dare you? It wasn't any of that. It was confusion like, huh, that is really something to think about. Jesus is the only way to heaven? Absolutely. And Brad is called to communicate that message to Canada. I've been called to communicate that message to Wilmington, North Carolina. And you have been called to declare that same message to the people that God brings into your life. Are you? Is this just we go through the motions? You know, Pastor Jay, that big clock back there is saying it's almost noon. Are we really interested in being light in this crooked, messed up, degenerate generation? Remember, apart from Christ saving your soul from an eternity in hell, you would be absolutely, categorically no different. You're a sinner too. So as we sing the song, I have much more to say, but I'll save it for later. As we sing this song, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray three specific things. Number one, maybe you've never repented of your sin and believed in Christ as your Savior. Maybe that's new to you. Maybe you're sitting there like that lady some 20-some plus years ago who said, huh, that's really interesting. I'd like to know more. We'd love to tell you more. We can't make you do anything. We can't force you to do anything. But we can show you from the Bible what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a true believer in Christ. Number two, if that's true about you, by the way, I'm going to hang near the front. I would be honored to talk to you about that. Secondly, I want you to pray specifically, not in general terms, but God, is there someone that you have put in my life that you have called me to be light to that person and a testimony witness to that person? And Lord, I need to pray for that person that I might have the opportunity to tell them about Christ in the next few days. Pray that specifically. And then number three, pray for the Lord's direction in your life. It might be that the next missionary to leave this ministry might be you. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to say, as that old song said, here am I, Lord, send me. I, I will go. If that's true about you, don't delay. Pray, Lord, direct my soul to where you would have me to serve. And always, always for his glory. So let's stand together. I'm going to ask Pastor West to sing this song, and I'm going to pray. And after we pray, we'll sing. And I'll be here in the front. If you have questions or you want to talk with someone, we'd love to do that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this challenge. I know it was an encouragement to my heart to just hear of the wonderful things, God, that you are doing in Canada.
And as we are financially supporting their work, we're thrilled to do that. And it's exciting to know that we are part of their ministry through our giving, and we rejoice in that. And so, God, I pray that as we now close this time together, that we would pray those three very specific prayers, not because they're found in Scripture, but they're just three applications of what we could do with this truth. And so we pray, God, that you would work in our souls and hearts today, that we would respond as you lead, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor West, lead us. Amen. I want us to close our service by singing that chorus that says, Here am I, Lord, send me. And we don't have words for that on the screen, but it's a, a very simple chorus. And I'm going to sing through it once for you, uh, just in case you don't remember it. And what I'd like to ask you to do is, as I sing through this, I'd like to ask you to pray in the way that our pastor has just asked us to. And then I'll have you sing through it with me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. I will serve you faithfully. Here am I, Lord, send me. Sing it with me now as we close our service together. Before I dismiss you, I need to make an announcement for our senior adults. Our senior saints luncheon will be this Thursday uh, in the youth room uh, at 1130. So senior adults, uh, give me one second. Miss Margaret, that is right, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> See, I knew. Uh, senior adults, this Thursday, our luncheon in the youth room at 1130. Thank you for being here today, folks. Have a great week. You are dismissed. Amen.